What are the answers to some of life's most important questions? Actually, you can't avoid answering these questions because you already do. It happens simply by how you have chosen to structure your priorities, spend your money, and use your time. Tune in as we interview pastors and leaders throughout the valley discussing the must-answer questions on The Form Show. Welcome to The Form Show. Mark Lucas here, Faith Talk 1360. What an amazing joy it is to have these conversations each and every week with you, the beautiful listening audience of Faith Talk 1360. Whether you're tuning in right now on radio or via podcast, I appreciate personally that we get to have these moments together. And really, my heart and my prayer is this. Let these conversations for you and for myself, let them be catalytic. Let them be conversations that truly help us grow in who we are, understand more about our identity, understand more about parenting. These are the real conversations that we need to be having more and more of each and every week so that we can be all that God wants us to be. So today, it's really a conversation that means so much to me. It's a conversation around authenticity. And here's the reality. We all know this, but I'm just going to say it. We all kind of at times wear masks. We kind of at times, there's a little bit of veneer and a little bit of kind of fakeness in how we the perception and the things that we portray to others happens a lot in social media, but even off social media, it happens. And at the end of the day, this show is really about taking off the mask. It's about being authentic. It's about how we do that and the benefits and the why behind doing that. So my guest today, Dee Pavia is in. She is just has a beautiful spirit, beautiful soul, and it's going to be a delightful conversation. I can't wait for you guys to hear from Dee in just a moment. She, a little bit about herself, she's the National Volunteer Coordinator at Parents of Addicted Loved Ones. Formerly, she spent 20 years at Amex, I believe, right? Yes, yeah. that's correct. She's the wife of Pastor Keith Pavia, and he is at Christ Church of Fountain Hills, where they assist in leading small groups, worship, women's ministry, children's ministry. She's the founder of Get Up Girl, a national women's ministry, mother to seven young men, two grandchildren, and one on the way any day now with the smiley face in my notes. That's right, anytime. Thanks so much, Dee, for being my guest. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. This is so exciting. Just so thrilled to be here. Well, I can't wait to have this conversation. Like I said in the intro, it's about authenticity, and it's about taking off the mask. So, you know, we're going to start with your personal story. We all have a story. We all have a personal story, and moments of our stories— tend to have kind of some messes in them. But ultimately, as we give our story and we give our messes to God, God can take any mess and make it a masterpiece. So it's kind of exciting to be able to, for me, to be able to hear your story this week and to be able to see how God's used some of the messes for his glory and to make them a masterpiece. But share with the listeners right now a little bit of your journey, a little bit of your story. Thanks again for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me once again. Um, Absolutely. Love to share this story. Um, It's not always been easy to share my story, but that's exactly what this program is about today. And uh, I've learned so much over the years with being authentic and and, uh, just opening up. And so my story starts right here in the Valley of the Sun. So I have pretty much grown up here my whole entire life Um, uh, from the age of one. I was born over in the Philippine Islands, though, and uh, my father was in the 
the Navy, and I met my beautiful mother, and we've been here pretty much ever since. So uh, I do have siblings. I have a younger brother and a younger sister, and they're both educators right here in the Valley. Uh, My entire family, my parents included, they're now retired, uh, are here in the Valley as well. So um, that's kind of the highlight reel, right? So everything always sounds really nice when you say it up front. But, you know, we didn't grow up so much uh, in in what you would think sounds like a perfect home, and I know a lot of people don't. Uh, For me personally, there was a lot of dysfunction growing up. There was some addictions that were um, involved, and um, to this day, uh, I am so incredibly grateful for God's grace because every one of our family members are believers now, and we can look back on those moments and those times that uh, were dark, uh, that were scary, and, um, and and really just give all credit to God because truly he's the only one that can do that. So that's sort of the initial uh, piece of, of how I started out here, and I've been in the Valley ever since. I've moved away a couple of times um, over the years. Um, my first marriage, uh, I because of the things that were going on at home, I wanted out. I wanted out at a very young age. Uh, I said, I'm going to graduate high school, and I am out of here. And that's pretty much what I did. And I ended up running off and, uh, you know, being with someone that uh, I should have never been with probably in the first place. And uh, uh, it just ended up really in a, a very bad situation. A lot of abuse um, and things had two young children there uh, with him. And, uh, you know, just fast forward, ended up in a domestic violence shelter and really just uh, having to work through that and what that now looked like as being a single mom and and just trying to make life work. So um, that's kind of the the very initial pieces of that. Uh, Fast forward once again, and we've got many years and clearly I can't cover, you know, 50 something years right now. (laughs) So I'm going to try to speed through this as quickly as I can. Um, You know, but up to current day, um, I have remarried, of course, you mentioned my husband, Pastor Keith, and uh, we are out in Fountain Hills, and we are loving it. Our church is still rolling right now. Um, but when we first got together about 17, 18 years ago now, um, we uh, were essentially what we like to call the Brady Bunch uh, on testosterone. So it was all boys, all boys. There was not a girl to be seen. And a lot we, of boys, seven. <laughs> well, we had six at the time. So, okay. you know, in our bright minds, we thought, well, you know, we're going to shoot for that girl. And God said, um, you know, seven sons it is. Here you go. <laughs> and so here we are seven sons later. We have ours together as 11 and the oldest, which would be mine, is 34 years old. So we have quite the crew, but God has blessed us incredibly uh, with our, our first granddaughter, uh, of course, a girl. And then uh, we had the grandson and, like you said, another on the way. So super excited about that. Um, but life has not come without its challenges. You know, we came together as a blended family. Um, in all honesty, I can say as far as the boys went, fantastic. I mean, nobody would ever could ever tell outside of maybe the looks of them that uh, they weren't, uh, you know, stepbrothers because they truly just kind of melded together and just just such great love in our family. And I've always loved that about our family. Uh, but and, and same thing, we growing up in the church, we raised our children up in the church, right? They, they did all the things we did all the things. We did all the things that, that all of us do as Christians, and um, and and that's kind of that side of the story. And then, you know, moving forward, and the one thing that sort of has brought me here today uh, personally is uh, my second son, my second oldest son. And unfortunately, I kind of shared just a smidge of what happened previously with my ex, which, by the way, I have to mention this because it's very sad, but at the same time, there's, there's a little bit of hope in this story. But my ex-husband... Um, 
who who was abusive, uh, he actually passed recently on Father's Day. And um, it, it, it brought up a lot of things because my children uh, had very different relationships with him over that, that time period. And um, uh, mostly estranged uh, because he continued life uh, in his addiction and so forth. Well, we happened to hear from him just a couple of months before I did. He gave me, he, he called me and uh, he didn't sound well. He said, I don't know how much longer I have. Uh, could you please relay this to the boys and so on? And I just, I could just hear that fear in him. I could sense it. And I just, my heart just poured out to him. And truly after all of those years, no matter what had been done back then, I, I never, I never held a grudge towards him. I, I truly, with all my heart, never felt anything but pity for him. I really did. I felt like he had allowed Satan to steal that life from him, that life with us, with, with the kids. And it, it broke my heart. It absolutely broke my heart and my children's. Um, and a lot of things happened in that time period um, that ended up really impacting my boys and, and not just them, but, uh, you know, even specifically my second son uh, with some other things that had happened. And um, but he gave me he called and uh, he just sounded so fearful. And, and I just did it. I said, you know what? I'm just going to say it. You know, I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, say it. <laughs> so, you know, when those moments happen, you, you just you got to go with it. So I flat out asked him, I said, do you know where you're going if you die? Because that that was his concern. Years of addiction had caused heart failure. He was on heart meds. He had had multiple heart attacks and strokes. And, and this was a young man. I mean, he was in his mid 50s. And so very heartbreaking. And, and he just told me, he said, no, no, I don't. And I said, okay. I said, do you want to know where you're going? Do you want to talk about Jesus? And uh, he said, I do. I do. And so I called my husband over to the phone. We put him on speaker. We had a conversation. We had a prayer with him. And the one thing I thought was so cool about that is that's something I get to share with my boys. You know, something that I know, God forbid, something happened to him. I can share that story with my boys. Hopefully it's encouragement to them, you know, that maybe their dad's in a good place, you know. And and sure enough, Father's Day, of all the days, of all the days, he passed on Father's Day. And um, and to be able to share that story with my sons, it's, it's just really been a blessing. Um, but again, a lot of what had happened with that situation, I had one son that really kind of separated himself from his father at that point. That would be my oldest. While the second one, he chased him. He chased him. He wanted so desperately to have that relationship with his dad. And um, unfortunately, it, it, it caused him to, to kind of follow in some of the steps that his dad was doing along the lines of addiction. And sure enough, when he got through high school, I mean, this was a child that was brilliant, beyond brilliant. He was in gifted classes all throughout school. Um, he loved God with all of his heart. He was involved in youth. He was involved in worship. He was he was doing all the things, just like I mentioned earlier, right. doing all the things, right? But Satan, man, Satan does not let up. He he knows. Like I once heard a pastor refer to it as high high value targets, right? When you when he knows that 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 certain people are called to to do that that thing for God, oh my gosh, Satan is like he is not stopping. He is he is hot on the on the, on his tracks, and so that was kind of led into what what I'm really kind of here about today and and here to share about is the fact that. Um, all of this addiction uh, in and of itself, it really just caught up to my son. It really caught up to him. Um, it impacted our family greatly. I mean, like I said, I, I could go on and on, and, and it might sound like it's glossed over, but the reality is you're talking 15 years since he was in his late teens of dealing with this up and down. I mean, he had long bouts of sobriety, great, and then plummet right again, and just up and down. And, and as you can imagine, a mother working full-time, raising a very large family, involved in the 
ministry full-time as well, um, it takes a toll. It absolutely takes a toll. And for me personally, that's kind of what brought me around to this past year. I call it the perfect storm. So in dealing with all that had happened with my son, on top of that, my father went into two bouts of sepsis attacks. We nearly lost him. He was hospitalized for months last year, and we are still to this day dealing with the after effects of that. So, you know, if I could ask, please be in prayer for my dad. Um, This is a a really huge thing happening in our lives still. Um, On top of that, almost every one of our adult children, huge relationship changes and job changes, everything kind of all at the same time. You know how that happens. Uh, I was in my job, like I said, for 20 years, but the last couple of years truly were probably the most stressful I had ever been um, in my career there. It was a change of job. It was a global position, uh, a lot of things happening, and it was overwhelming, you know, along with this this consistent piece that I've been dealing with with my son for 15 years. And so it, it really started getting really affecting my health. I mean, over the years, I started getting diagnosed with the rheumatoid arthritis, with lupus, dealing with all the autoimmune issues that really was just breaking down my body. And it, it all came to a head last year, like I said, the perfect storm. And when in November, I had to go into surgery for what the oncologist believed I had ovarian cancer. And so we went in with that until the pathology report came out. And praise God, there is no trace of cancer, but no explanation as to all that they found in there. I mean, I mean, we can explain it right but right. so that happened and and post all of that I I sat down with my husband and said I cannot continue this way something has to change and uh that's when you know that's kind of leading leading into the next stories of how I ended up at parents of addicted loved ones and and really just kind of he flung that door open and uh, I just ran right on through, um, and lots has happened since then. Thank you so much for your vulnerability and being authentic, and for all of us listening in right now with D here on the Form Show. If you're just tuning in, it's all of us have these journeys and have these moments in our life that get really messy. And when we become parents, I would always tell my wife this. They don't give you a parent handbook when you leave the hospital. I mean, you feel so ill-equipped at times to be able to navigate parenting and navigate life. And through this process of parenting, through this journey of parenting, there's massive ups and massive downs. And I think now I want to focus in, because we just had a beautiful conversation about where you are now, what can we do as parents, as grandparents, to really have the conversations with our teens, with our kids, to really lean into knowing where they're at, what they're struggling with. Right now, we know, obviously, with COVID, it, it's kind of this massive storm, and we know that there's a massive ripple effect where we're going to see a huge rise in addiction. Yes. A massive rise. Mm-hmm. I've already heard it from people in the healthcare industry. I've already heard it from friends of mine that run nonprofits in the suicide hotlines, they're telling me the reports, and they're staggering, and it breaks my heart to know what's happening because of COVID. So in the essence of the storm and the essence of where we are right now, how can we lean in as grandparents and parents to really have these conversations to know, are there triggers? Are there coping mechanisms that they're turning towards that are addiction, that are things that are destroying them? So I think my question is, what are some conversations that maybe we should be praying through, having with our kids, having with our teens, and then kind of just share some practical of of ways that we can do that and ways that we can 
kind of play that out in our homes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, just kind of thinking through that a little bit, and I, I'll look back at my own situation as well. You know, I know I touched on it briefly earlier, right? You know, having the Christian home, raising your kids up in the church. We're thinking we're checking all the boxes, right? We're thinking we're doing all the right things. I think many times, too, you talk about taking off the mask. I think many times what happens is... For me personally, it's n- it was never about uh, wanting to portray we have this perfect Christian family. or It's never about that. But I think it was more for me personally, especially growing up in sort of that faith, uh, sort of a church, you know, uh, have a little bit of a Pentecostal background there. And, and mind you, my family um, did not go to church, by the way. Um, I was dropped off at the front door of a church from the time I was five years old, mm-hmm. and I never left since. So, you know, I, that was really something that I held near and dear to my heart. But I think, again, and we go through life and we think we're checking all the boxes, we're doing all the right things. Um, but sometimes we're, I, I think we're, we're missing things or we're just in flat out denial. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because people have different upbringings where they're thinking, you know what, um, I'm going to give my kids the absolute best no matter what, no matter what it takes. And I think bottom line, if you shake it all out, we don't want our kids in pain in any way, shape, or form. We do not want them to suffer in any way, shape, or form. We want to be there to clean it up. We want to be there to fix it every time. But sadly, what we're finding, especially at parents of addicted loved ones, is that could be to their detriment. Because, you know, we're dealing with parents of addicted loved ones. It's really about the parents that are dealing with adult uh, adult children and addiction, right? But the reality is it, it begins from the very beginning. It begins in the home. It begins in the Christian home. It begins in the non-Christian home. Um, you know, that's where the foundation is. And what, what, I, what I tend to see is that where we've had this generation of, again, maybe we didn't have it so good. Maybe there was dysfunction growing up. And we're thinking in our minds, oh, my kids are never going to go through that. They're never going to have pain. They're never going to have to suffer. I'm going to take care of them. And I even did that on my own level. When my son first started getting into trouble in high school, uh, you know, one of the first things I wanted to do when he had to show up in court was, you know, I'm going to show up in front of the judge and I'm going to convince the judge to be light on my son. And, you know, and looking back in hindsight, I probably would have done it differently if I if I knew then what I know now, only because they do need to understand that there are consequences to their actions. I mean, we're looking at a world right now that you can see it all over the news. There are young adults and people all over the world right now that are thinking there are no consequences to my actions. I can do whatever I want, and I'm not going to have to pay for it. And and that's really heartbreaking to me because it's not reality. Reality is the world is painful. There's going to be times where we have to man up, we have to woman up, we have to grow up, and we have to right. deal, Right. I think that's so well said. I know you had this written down, and you said it so beautifully. Sometimes we overcompensate, Mm -hmm. and we want them to have a better life. I think as parents, we all want our kids to have a better life than we had. Mm -hmm. And in the process of that, we do overcompensate. We kind of unintentionally bubble wrap them and try to protect them from everything, Mm -hmm. from all harm and all danger and all negative consequences. But that's not the reality of life. And I think to myself— Something that's truly been good for me to always think through in these moments is that when we look at passages like in James 1, Mm -hmm. where specifically James would tell believers to be able to come to one another and ask for prayer. Mm -hmm. And it's not just in physical sickness. Mm -hmm. It's in anything that we're going through, anything that we're struggling in. 
And he specifically says, go and ask for prayer. Go to the elders. Go to the leaders. Have them lay hands. Have them pray over you. And so often we see that and we kind of go to that pastor and like, oh, this person's going through cancer or they're going through something physical. Mm Mm-hmm. But that passage is so much more than physical. It's the spiritual. It's the entirety of that soul and of that body. Yes. And to be able to, again, to take off the mask Mm -hmm. and to know that we as followers of Jesus, for any of us Mm -hmm. listening in, Mm -hmm. whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, we've got to be able to say, I'm not okay. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's not okay for me to stay this way. Absolutely. I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. And I need to feel comfortable to tell that to my parents. And if I don't feel comfortable there, to find a safe group of people that you can entrust and trust enough to share that with. And I think that's so important because if not, then people kind of live in the dark and they continually stuff and stuff and stuff their emotions and what they're struggling with and what they're going through. And then they find a way to cope that's so unhealthy mm-hmm. with addiction. Exactly. With those things. So, yeah. That's it exactly. And, and I know for me personally, that is the one thing that uh, the door that just kind of swung wide open here for me was just great. You know, being involved in ministry for all these years, I mean, it's been nearly 25 years for me now. And and being involved in ministry, you know, you find that you're all, you're, most of the times you're in the position of, of praying for someone else, right? They're going to you, right? But but thank God for small groups. Thank God for those, those people in your lives and in your circles that you can also pray with. Um, one of the things I I know that I did over the years is, you know, if it was prayer time, well, you know what, would you, would you pray for my son? He's kind of going through some issues and that was it. That was the end of it. And that's fine. And there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not, I'm not saying everybody needs to go out and air out their dirty laundry and, and, you know, share all their business. But the reality is the deeper that you go into something, the more authentic, like we're talking about, the more truthful you can be about something. God is a God of truth. That's when the healing begins. I mean, really, it really does. And not only that, but for me personally, it seriously, the, the doors just swung open. Because when I started being more specific in my prayer life, when, when I met with folks and said, you know what, I have a son who's been struggling with addiction for a long time. Would you pray for him? And oh my gosh, the doors that started opening, people start coming to you. And mind you, they, most of them come to you secretively. Why? Because there's such a huge stigma associated with drug addiction, which is so sad so because sad. the thing is, what's the difference between drug addiction, alcoholism, gossiping, um, cheating? What is the difference? If, if any and all of it is considered sin, what is the difference? We need to be vulnerable. We need to open up. It needs to be okay in the church and to not be judged. And that's the bottom line. People are not going to come. They're not going to come if they're feeling judged. They're not going to come if they're feeling like everyone's looking at them in a weird way. But oddly, it's how it started for me there at the church. When I started sharing, then I start got, you know, people started coming. Oh, D, I hear that you've had this issue with your son. Can I talk to you about it? And so it got to the point for me personally last year, I, early last year, I thought, Lord, there is such a need here. What can I do? And I'm, I'm that girl. I'm that girl that here I am, God. 
Use me. I mean, literally, I, in every way possible. I don't care. <laughs> I have nothing to, to lose. I, no, use me. Here I am. And so that's what opened up those doors. And, and I thought, I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to do all the research I can, and I'm going to have a little support group. And guess what I found? I found PAL. They already had the curricula. They already had meetings in play. And I thought, oh, dear God, we just have to show up. I don't even have to put something together. It's it's so well said, and I, again, I just appreciate the authenticity, excuse me, and just the the vulnerability. And I think everything you just shared, Dita, I think when we are vulnerable, Mm -hmm. when we do, and I heard this said maybe a couple weeks ago, find your thems. Mm -hmm. So what we're not saying is go and air your dirty laundry to the world. Mm -hmm. Find your thems. Find the people that you trust. Mm And share what's going on inside of you with those people. Yes. And then watch in turn, like you said, how those people begin to share Mm -hmm. and open up. Mm -hmm. And then that continues to grow and manifest itself into beautiful communities of people that are messy, but they're doing life together and allowing the gospel and allowing the love of Jesus to transform us and change us from the inside out. So very, very, very well said. Thanks again for being my guest today. Thank you. It's been wonderful. Oh. I really appreciated it. Thanks for coming in and just being so vulnerable. And I, that's the most important thing I want listeners to get out of this. Please be vulnerable. There is great joy and great freedom in being vulnerable. Thanks for listening to The Forum Show. It's a beautiful time that is committed to having these conversations that matter most. I'd love to personally connect with you. You can go to marklucasradio.com. Give me your email. Give me your feedback. I'd love to hear from you. Have an amazing day. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.